Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right. Ryan is a, a late scratch today, but he did text us what uh, what his three takeaways were going to be. So I'll kind of give, uh, I'll quickly go through his, get him out of the way. I'll give my my quick takes on him. So the first one I can definitely speak to, it was just the USC Notre Dame game. And Caleb Williams probably lost the Heisman in that first half, you know, just really was out of sorts through some bad picks and combined with the fact that USC lost the game in a blowout. And now, I mean, so yeah, you can pretty much say goodbye to the Heisman. Playoff is a super, super long shot for USC with the brutal schedule they have left. They just, first of all, they don't look like a playoff team. This is, you've been kind of seeing hints that a loss was coming the last few weeks against three sort of inferior opponents the previous three weeks. USC barely squeaked by, and now they finally play on the road against a good team and just get get killed. So that uh, worries me as a USC fan when we're, we've got such a tough schedule coming up. And the thing about it is everyone was freaking out about the defense uh, several weeks going on, and rightfully so, but really it wasn't their fault. Like this game, not look at this the final game. score. Yeah, if you didn't watch it, you'd, you'd look at the score and think, oh, the defense sucked again. But not really. They got put in such terrible oh, positions. Yeah. They really... They really didn't play uh, poorly. It was mostly I would put this. I mean, obviously, Caleb made some mistakes, but the offensive line, I mean, just just got dominated. And there were hints that that might be an issue in earlier games, um, particularly just the week before against Arizona. Arizona's defensive front dominated USC. And after that, I was like, ooh, that is concerning. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think there's multiple L's to come for SC the rest of the season. Um, and we'll see what happens. They got a tough game coming up this weekend against utah but uh he also was going to comment on uh, north carolina miami game carolina won 41 31 turnovers again big issue for for tyler van dyke uh in this game um but really the big takeaway for me is just watch out for north carolina they're now six and oh this was kind of their first i mean they had beat south carolina but like the schedule wasn't super difficult to this point this is kind of their their biggest win so far and when you look at the remaining schedule, it's it's pretty manageable. So eleven and one is, um, you know, definitely not out of the question. Twelve and zero is not out of the question, but eleven and one would and not be a surprise at all. Des Walker had an awesome oh, comeback. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. So that's that's a huge boost uh, coming down the stretch. And then um, last takeaway, he just wrote Gundy. So <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because a few weeks ago he was looking. It looked like it was headed towards Gary Patterson territory where it's like, yeah, he's a legend, yeah. but things are headed south. And, you know, they still may be, but the last couple of weeks beating K-State and Kansas back to back, those are uh, two big wins after getting blown out by South Alabama and losing to, to Iowa State. So he's kind of turned things around a little bit. They're four and two, two and one in Big 12 play. It's, you know, their power rating isn't great. Like, I still don't think they're a very good team this year, but he's salvaging what will probably end up being a you know an okay record i mean if they go like eight and four honestly i i will bow down i just i'll stop i'll stop doubting gundy i don't know i i was really yeah. doubting him and like you said the power ratings might reflect that but he just somehow ekes out the wins he does um okay let's uh, let's get to our takeaways what's what's your first one trey all right well it is stanford in colorado that that was on friday night half of America was probably asleep oh, because it ended so late. But I mean, just 
it's just a, a crazy finish. I mean, it was the the thing about it was that was stunning was of course Colorado was up twenty nine nothing at halftime against a one and four seemingly lifeless Stanford team. Um, but at from the second half, third quarter on that. Alec Iomanner, <laughs> yeah. their wide receiver, he entered the chat and was just unstoppable. In this, um, they 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 switched. They put Travis Hunter on him. Travis Hunter couldn't do anything. They would run like the same play, like a little inside slant, and they just would not stop it. He just was going off. Um, and then he he had arguably the catch of the year so far, catching it over Travis Hunter in overtime, mm-hmm. basically on his back over his head. Um, and you know, and Shadur, he played great. But he had the terrible, terrible interception in the end zone in double overtime that ended yeah. up costing him. Um, so, you know, so you know, he's not flexing his watch this week. But it wasn't obviously all on on him. But uh, big picture for Colorado is they're four and three, but a bowl game isn't a lock anymore because they have to win two games of the next five, um, but three are against currently ranked teams, and the other two are Arizona, who looks very good now and at yeah. Washington state who we've seen to be good. So, you know, there's no slouch in the pac 12. So it's, it's not a gimme for them now. No, definitely not. They've kind of, you know, come back to earth. I mean, that, that, that was, that was a wild ending. There was, well, this weekend there were just several insane endings. I've got two more that I wanted to, to bring up to add onto those. So um, this one was on Friday, I believe West Virginia, Houston that was Thursday. Yeah. Oh, it was Thursday. Okay. So, so West Virginia got a 50-yard touchdown pass <laughs> um, with 12 seconds left to take a four-point lead. And it, at that point, it was like, okay, this is pretty much game over. Um, but quarterback Garrett Green got unsportsmanlike conduct. So the, the ensuing kickoff was 15 yards back. You know, So gave gave Houston a couple plays, and they were – or one play, and they're in uh, Hail Mary range. And sure enough uh, – they got off a Hail Mary and it, it was completed. So crazy. I mean, yeah, just crazy, crazy ending. That was an unbelievable game. And that's a rough loss for uh West Virginia fans against the old uh the old head coach Dana Holgerson. So oh, that's right. I didn't even I forgot about that. Yeah. And then the other game was even crazier. So Saturday night this one was. So Boise State at Colorado State. Yeah, the Boise State of Colorado. Scores, what's that? I said the state of Colorado had oh, these yeah, that's, crazy that's back-to-back true. nights. So, no, not back-to-back nights. This was this one was on well, Saturday, right? Well, sorry, the Colorado game was Friday. We're getting all confused with our days here. Oh, no. Oh, no my, yeah, you're right. I was thinking of West Virginia-Houston. Yeah, there's right, too I many was, crazy finishes. I thought, I was like, Trey, you made a mistake. No, I, admit, <laughs> I just keep messing up. All right. Too many days. Anyway, so, okay, so, so Boise State scores a touchdown to go up 29-10 with about six minutes left. And so... You, yeah, it's like game's probably over there, but it's not. There's six yeah. minutes left. You and still got to make running it up. No, of course it's not running it up. No, you're. It's not. No, this is not. The, no, that's what I'm saying. Game. Like you, you got to go for two. You got to go for two. Like being up twenty that late in the game really doesn't do you any good. Like yeah, you got to go for two, and they didn't. And you know, ninety nine percent of the time that wouldn't yeah. matter, but here it did. And so. um you know, Colorado State got a touchdown, onside kick, touchdown, got an onside kick again, but they it did. was called back. Um, what was it again? There was a. They oh, they started blocking block. like before yeah. the. Anyway, so so they had to re kick it. Boise got it, but they got uh, a three and out, and 
Colorado State gets into Hail Mary range and and their Hail Mary was even crazier because it, you know, just well, because the uh Boise State player knocks it down. He did do that. But yeah. but but uh the Colorado State guy just dove under it and caught it before it hit the ground. So And it's crazy is they were at their own like fifteen with well, twelve seconds. Yeah, like they, yeah. they they had to make you had to you had to complete from that point. You had to complete two just incredible passes, and they did. Yeah. They, I mean, oh, <laughs> that is that is a rough one. That's a rough one for Andy Avalos. He's that's that's not good. It's not no, good. Bring shaky. Harson back. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I'm gonna. I briefly mentioned Arizona earlier. So my takeaway here is I'm kind of a Jed fish believer at, at Arizona. Um, I was somewhat mystified by the hire a few, a couple years back, but it seems to be trending well, working, working so far. They went into Pullman and just absolutely drilled the number 19 Cougs 44 to six. And they've done, they've played, been playing well the last few weeks without their quarterback, Jaden Delora. They made Cam, Cam Ward look awful in this one. And, you know, they nearly won at SC last week, of course. Michael, you touched on that. Uh, lost in triple overtime. They gave Washington all they could handle the week before that. And then earlier in the season, they lost in overtime at Mississippi State. So they're a very good four and three squad. Um, but kind of back to fish. You know, year zero or year one, one and 11. Not great, of course. Yeah. But he inherited nothing. Last right. year, five and seven. Doesn't sound great, but they had a win at a ranked UCLA team, you could see that the the pieces were it was it was trending forward. And now, you know, they're they're competitive. They look like they'll probably go bowling. They're competitive with some of the top teams. And even if it's not they themselves in the Pac twelve title, they're gonna play a key factor down the stretch uh as far as some of the opponents that they play. Yeah, no, they're like one of the surprise teams, unfortunately, because they couldn't get any of those big upsets, you know, or yep. and, and they lost that overtime game. They, uh, well, two overtime games, right? But yeah, it's the record may not is, is not reflecting how good they are right now. So yeah, that's they've they've been a, a surprise, uh, especially since they you know they lost some good transfers in the off season. I wasn't oh that's right yeah super bullish on them headed into this year. Um, I'm gonna stick stick around in the Pac-12. We haven't brought up the you know, biggest game of the weekend, maybe Oregon uh, huh. at Washington. And it lived up to the hype. Um, it was great. And I think if you're an Oregon fan, it of course, it sucks that you lost this one. But I personally would love Dan Lanning's aggression. Like, I just love the way he coaches. I, I'm kind of a, a believer in him. You know, with each passing game that I watch of Oregon, I uh, get more confident in him. So, So the way this one happened was, you know, it's back and forth. Oregon was up four late, got a, a huge goal line stand of of Washington. And eventually they moved the ball to around midfield. They had a fourth and three. So up four, two minutes left. They get it. If they get that fourth and three, they win the game. They can kneel mm-hmm. it out. Um, you know, if they don't, obviously you give a little bit shorter field to to Penix, but you know, it's yeah, it's the just, drive before it, they Yeah. Well, the drive before I guess they held them, but yeah, yeah. The, I don't have stand. a problem with them going for it there. No, you could argue I, I love the play it, yeah. call, but it was. You get I don't. A, you get I don't a, mind the decision. Yeah, I don't mind the. I I like the decision. Um, I I know there's there's one Twitter account that has um, set up like a, a one of those fourth down calculators or whatever, and 
I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I should have, but I think it was, it was sig- significantly better in, in that calculator's mind, at least to go for it. And I assume Oregon, like Dan Lanning is clearly not just making these decisions, you know, randomly. I would be, like, what do you think about the one right before halftime? So that one, because that there's one, no, there's no, mm-hmm. you don't get the benefit of pinning them deep if you don't get right. it sort of deal. Like, I don't know what the, the analytics say. That was one I maybe could argue either way in my mind. Yeah. That's one I didn't feel strongly, but I wasn't before the fourth down at the end of the game, I was like, go for it. Like, go for it. Yeah, you, yeah, you got yeah. a chance to win the game. Even if you don't, you know, you, you, you still have a chance to win. But, um, but yeah, that halftime I was like, eh, I don't know. So yeah, I know. And even landing afterwards was kind of like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was, that was more of a borderline one. Um, but it was such but, a great game. Yeah, it was. And, um, so, and, but getting back to, I mean, I want to give Washington credit, of course, and now Michael Penix, huge Heisman favorite. Still a lot of games to be played, but, but as of right now, he is. And, um, but, but for, for landing, this is, it sucks because he has made some of the most visible quote unquote yeah. analytics, uh, decisions at the end of games the last couple of years. And I think he's kind of like, oh, for three on those, those big ones. They which, haven't panned out. <laughs> yeah. So that gives fodder to, to kind of the people who, you know, prefer to go with the gut and whatnot. But it's like, you can't judge a decision like that on one result or even three results. Cause they're, you're, it's playing the percentages. It's like, you know, do we have, we have an 85% chance to win if we do this compared to 81. Like it's such, it's relatively small margins that like one result means nothing. It's just, you got to look at the process and whether it went for you or against you shouldn't affect how you felt about the, right. the decision. And like the, you know, the very end, the kicker missed a 40 something yard field goal, yeah. like that would have gone to overtime. So it wasn't that decision, you know, it, I mean, you could say it cost them, but it really didn't cause they still had a great chance. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, great game. Yeah, that that could you might be another. They might be have a rematch in Vegas. A lot, I know. A lot of stuff. I to I, I love Oregon. Like I still like if they played next week on a neutral field, I would I would take Oregon. Yeah, but it's pretty much toss up. <laughs> All right, I'll say there wasn't a ton of great great games, but Missouri Kentucky and the reason I'm this the reason I'm talking about this is because Eli Drinkwitz is having the year he needed, and he seems to have Mizzou trending up they just won at number 24 kentucky moved to six and one their only loss was that late one uh to lsu last week uh but they outscored kentucky 38 to 7 after falling down 14 nothing in the first quarter and so now they're they've put themselves in the mix to be that that second team in the east behind georgia because brady cook has been playing playing great so far luther burden has been living up to the the recruiting hype um so they, they have five games left. One of them is at Georgia, which obviously very difficult. But in the rest of them, they're either going to be favored or just a tiny dog. So they have a chance to really get some momentum in the program again. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice breakthrough year for... Um, Drinkwitz. Uh, Drinkwitz, thank you. You just said it. Um, okay, so last one here, my last takeaway. Got to talk about Iowa. So they, they are now a big favorite to win the Big Ten West with one of the worst offenses imaginable oh. for a, a power five division winner, um, even for Iowa. So they're 119th in ESPN's offensive efficiency, yet they are six and one, just beat Wisconsin 15 to six, 
37 passing yards in the game, four for 17 on third down, but their, their defense dominated and Wisconsin's offense, you know, no matter who was in at quarterback there, just really couldn't do anything. They've, that's no. been a disappointment this year. But with Iowa's remaining schedule, it's very manageable. So they're, you know, they're likely going to finish with a really good record. I heard, I forget what, I think it was like on Levitard's show, them talking about how like, Iowa might be favored in every game, so they're you know likely to finish eleven and one. It's like, well, that's yeah, not, quite not exactly how it, how it works. But, but uh, so I wouldn't quite go that far. But it's 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 possible. It's possible. It's just it's, crazy. It is. It's, it's nuts. Um, and, oh, and Brian Ferentz update. There's no way he's getting to that. No. But it doesn't matter because if they win the division, if they go like nine and ten and two, then I don't think they're going to get rid of him. <sighs> I, I would, I mean, even the Iowa fans have to just, they can't like this. They can't enjoy watching this. Well, but like, at some point, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, we'll see how this finishes out. But, but I like, mean, like, if you go 10 and 2, which is obviously great, but like, in, you know, if you ha- say you have the 60th best offense, you're, you might be vying for 12 and 0. I, know, I don't but know. it's, it's hard just... to like, are we, I, I'm, it is frustrating. It's like, you want to be, better if you can control that side of the ball you want to be better on offense but it's, it's just weird it's it just so keeps weird. working like the record the record as far you know like it's yeah. it's not like he's underachieving obviously so it's just weird but i, I don't it's, even know what to to make of it but yeah it's simultaneously he should absolutely be fired it's horrendous but iowa is 16 <laughs> in spite of it yeah um all right let's move on to week eight and uh Dude, biggest game of the week. How is it week eight? That is how actually is it, pretty like, crazy. What the heck? I it every year this kind of happens where it like it sneaks up where it feels like it was just August and now we're two thirds to the, through the season. Like what what is going on? Yeah, and the thing I don't know. It is weird. I I I wonder if part of it for me that it's it's going by fast is that there hasn't been like a ton of shakeup at the top i know bud elliott has yeah. tweeted about this did you have you seen his tweets about this i, I forget the exact stat but no, it's something like not something like ap top 15 teams this year um as static as 10 plus point favorites are like 74 and one like something i you know that yeah I completely made that up but it's something no. crazy where there just aren't those big upsets at the top so i don't know maybe no, that's, you're right i yeah it's been pretty quiet on that front Anyway, 9 a.m. we got the the game of the week. Well, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Sorry to all the... The only time that matters. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what percent of our listeners are... Be, yeah, it would be zone. interesting. Pretty low, probably. So, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, Buckeyes are favored four and a half. The number's come down a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I... So when I, when I first thought about this game, I was like, I'm taking Ohio State. But then, like, as I dissected it, I you know, obviously ended up being able to make a case for both sides. So, and I ended up deciding I'm going to take the points with the Nittany Lions here because I do see this as a lower scoring game and getting over a field goal might be nice. Um, I guess because my worry with Penn State is their offense. I'm not fully sold on it yet with Drew Aller. Um, It just, it kind of seems like more the same from the last couple of years. He hasn't really thrown it downfield a ton and their schedule has been so soft so that you know they've done what they've had to do, but we still don't truly know how good they could be on that side of the ball. Um, 
so they can prove it now against a good Buckeyes defense. But on the positive side for Penn State, they have the number one most efficient defense using the ESPN's FPI metric. Um, and the Buckeyes offensive oh, you line. Can't, you can't say FPI, Trey. I like to separate it from FPI. It's on the same. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But FBI just has such a um, stigma in people's mind that That's like, true. no, I mean, it's I because it is on the same page. You go to FPI, but then you click over to efficiency. And yeah. I don't know. Obviously, it must be used in FPI They're related, but, but but it's very but the efficiency. I love that because it just everything passes the smell test on that. It's clearly opponent adjusted and it's only using this year's data it's it's not yeah i mean it's not using each team's own priors i don't it doesn't look like it's involved so it's kind of just like if you look at it you say like okay how good has this team been this year so that's why i like yeah. about it but anyway no i i i hear you i hear you um but yeah so so they're they're a very efficient strong defense no matter what metric you look at they have a very good defense um and the buckeyes offensive line has had some issues this season um, Emeka Agbuka might miss a second straight game here. And, you know, you know, they just haven't been that, that explosive Buckeye offense that we've been accustomed to. Um, the defense for the Nittany Lions could get some pressure on McCord, keep this one tight and like big picture too. Like James Franklin needs a marquee victory. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a big opportunity for him. And I, this is one where I also could make the case for either team and listening to you. I've like, I'm, I was like, 45 percent of the way to just changing my pick and just going <laughs> with penn state but i you know i guess i'll i'll stick with ohio state definitely not going to be a lock but um that it's that penn state passing game and just the the lack of explosiveness with drew aller we just haven't seen it uh really this year like he hasn't made mistakes which is good yeah. but you're gonna need to do more you need gonna probably need to make some big plays uh, if you want to win this game and the defense, you know, yeah, is 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 arguably the best in the country or, or or up there. But the best offense they've played so far, by far, is West Virginia. And yeah, it's not it's like not, West Virginia it's, has. It's been soft. So we'll see. I just, um, I don't know. At home, only having to lay four and a half with Ohio State. That's that's yeah. some respect to Penn State. That tells you the market market likes them. So we'll see. Yeah. But I'll, I'll lay the points. All right, moving on to Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama is giving nine. Too many points. Too many <laughs> points. I mean, so Alabama, they've been in close games in past weeks against Arkansas, uh, Texas A&M, even going back to the USF game, which, yeah. you know, testing some things out at quarterback, but still it counts. Um, and this Tennessee team is suddenly like a defensive juggernaut. They are, they've been much better on the defensive side of the ball than offense this year, which you never thought, I never thought I would say about a, a Josh Heupel team, but that has been the case. So I think this one could, could be a, a low scoring game and close at the end. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to take those nine points. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm taking the nine with Tennessee too. And it's just, what a change from a year ago. I think last year's score was like 52-49. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think it, that was a classic game. It, it's that just, was. I don't see a, a shootout like that this this year. Because um, like last week against Texas A&M, Tennessee, like, I don't love the offensive output they had. I mean, one of their touchdowns was a short punt return. Um, they need to kind of not settle for field goals. But but I I think it's like we've talked about. It's a, it could be a similar type game where the defense can – can get some key stop, key stops, keep it close. And, you know, Milrow has had a rebirth, but like you said, they don't run away and hide. So 
I'll keep it. I said they keep it close. All right. Okay, so now we got Duke at Florida State, and Florida State's given 14 and a half, and this is a real bummer because it doesn't look like Riley Leonard's going to go, um, and even if he does, he would not be 100%, and you need him because he he's good with his feet. Um, so last week, uh, Duke had to rely on their freshman, Henry Bielen IV, uh, against NC State, and he, he was 4 of 12. Now he has to go to Tallahassee, Played that Seminoles defense with guys like Jared Verse coming after him. I know, and I know Duke's defense is very solid under Mike Elko, but I just feel like this offense is going to put them in bad situations and um, bad spots on the field. So I'm going to take the Seminoles. Um, they're coming into this one with confidence. They've had back-to-back easy conference victories. They don't have a look-ahead game to worry about, uh, and it's this game's under the light. So I think they'll be pumped uh, to be at home in Doak Walker. All right. Yep. I, I agree with you there. Uh, next one, Clemson minus three at Miami. I just don't like the idea of, of laying three points on the road with this Clemson offense against a good team. Um, you know, they just put up 17 points on Wake Forest last week, who has a def- decent defense this year, but not as good as Miami. And I know, of course, the big thing here is Tyler Van Dyke's status has been uh, questioned this week. And, you know, he was seen with I think like kind of a big wrap on his on his leg up above his knee, but Mario says he's going to play, and it's not like you know he's not a, he's not a runner anyway. So I'm hoping that that you know whatever little injury he has there won't affect his play. Um, so I I just I really like Miami here. I'm going to take the three points and make it my lock. Cool. All right, we got Utah at USC. USC minus seven. I think Ryan's going to be in the building there for that one. That's right. Um, you know, and I, so even though it kind of feels like the sky is falling for, for SC, they're still four and on, on top of the pack 12. Um, I know there's some, they some stink. hesitation they stink, there. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it, it, you've got an interesting clash in this one. You've got, you know, USC's good offense in, in general against Utah's good defense, but then you've got, you know, Utah, their bad offense against SC's bad defense. So it's kind of like which which side's going to dominate more. Um, and I'm not in love with this this Utes team right now, how they're playing, but I'm going to go back to them here. I'm going to take the Utes. Like last week against Cal, they went with Barnes at quarterback, just had him kind of manage the game, and they just pounded the rock. They ran for 317 yards. I see the the same kind of recipe here when they, they're going to try and sustain longer drives, keep Caleb Williams off the field, rely on that defense to keep it close. And you mentioned earlier, like since USC hasn't really played a complete game in over a month, I, I just, I, I'm yeah. going to take the Utes here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them my lock. I like that. I mean, the last, the last four games, USC has underperformed the point spread, like big time, big time in each of the games. So it's just, it's, it's hard to pick them right now. Um, yeah, that's, I don't like that. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't either. But USC is, loses that one, and this this season could get could get ugly. It's dicey. We'll see. Um, okay. Well. Okay. Let's. So there's. You know. We haven't gone through a ton of games here, but there's there's a few games with some some big point spreads involving some top teams. So if you had to pick a twenty plus point uh, point spread game to be close at the end, which which game are you looking at? I'm going to take, I wrote two down, but I'm going to, I'll say, 
There's one that's right. The number's right at 20. Washington State at Oregon. Oregon's mm-hmm. favored 20. I mean, the way I look at this is the Cougs just, they, they can't be as bad as they looked last week against Arizona. And maybe the Ducks, you know, they're not sharp right away after that tough Washington game. And maybe if the Cougs are able to kind of jump ahead early, they can keep it close. Yeah, no, I that was the game I would choose as well for for the reasons you said. Um, I mean, so you got we've got Michigan at Michigan State this weekend. I think that's rivalry four and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just can't bet against Michigan right now. I can't no. do it. They're just playing too well. I just you know you it's never know. like you blew a lead to Rutgers. They're not coming in with confidence. So no. Um, and then we got Texas minus 23 and a half at Houston. I would consider that just because yeah, I'm not sold on Texas's offense and Quinn Ewers. It's kind of just like, you know, against a, any decent defense, I there's that potential that they uh it's slow going, but that the problem is Houston is not <laughs> yeah. a decent defense. So I yeah. I couldn't I couldn't take that one. But yeah. Yeah, I mean it is Houston. It for Houston it is their Super Bowl. They get to host big Texas, but yeah yeah be tough sledding all right well uh let's close out this episode with a questionable finish all right so kev in our patreon had a question he said rich rod had jacksonville or has jacksonville state six and two and maybe resurrecting his career clay helton has georgia southern at four and two what former Power 5 coach will be the next to build themselves and their reputation at a G5 school? I'm guessing you and I might have the same one here, Mike. I'm going to say one that's that's just started right now, Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic. Um, he, he did great at Houston, led them to a New Year's Six Bowl, honestly did pretty well at Texas considering what he took over. Um, you know, he didn't end up totally elevating the program to what it what it should be but it also wasn't embarrassing yeah and they're three and three right now they lost their starting quarterback casey thompson earlier but they're starting to play a lot better with the backup i think he'll get another power five job i have the exact same answer i i believe in in tom herman um someone if i had to choose someone who's not currently coaching i'll throw out justin fuente just because Mm. i don't even know where he's at right now i honestly I, i don't know what he's doing but don't know um I just, I still think he's a good coach. I just think, like, because especially right when he got to Virginia Tech, like, boom, they they were better right away, and it just kind of, he either had a bad strategy in recruiting or just things didn't click for whatever reason. I just think it wasn't the right fit, but I could see him being successful um, elsewhere. But uh, is the is the music playing for the questionable finish? We're having some technical difficulties this episode. It's very, I can hear it, but it's very faint. Okay, if we be I quiet, then maybe we could hear it very quiet it's very quiet why don't i why don't i why don't i turn it up a little louder there all right whatever yeah anyway uh so next question came from andrew uh in our discord he said on the other hand what former coach or current media member will be the next to ruin themselves and their reputation by getting a retread job at a power five school okay this one was tougher here i agree Um, i'm gonna say chris peterson um, I have nothing against Chris Peterson. I like him. Like, how could you, did, is that who you said? No, 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 no. Oh, no. Like, I like him. Like, how can you not? Um, I, and I'm not even certain he's going to get back into coaching. He's he's on Fox Doesn't seem now. like he will. Yeah. He said he wanted to recharge, you know, after he left Washington. Uh-huh. Maybe. I feel like if the job is right, he'll get the itch again. But, um, I, but he, like, let's say he does come back. This was my point is that 
the, the landscape has changed so much since he left. Maybe it won't work out for him if he goes like, comes yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, I guess things were kind of slightly going south at the end of his yeah tenure there. Um, okay, so someone like in the media, I thought of like, okay, Dan Mullen, but mm-hmm. honestly, I I would believe in Dan Mullen. I know I'm a back. Mullen like, believer, <laughs> especially at a lower Power Five, right? If he did get a Power Five gig, it would be a lower kind of tier. Yeah. So I I feel like that would be the perfect spot for him. So I can't say him. Uh, maybe Paul Christ. I, I you know I don't know if a if a power five school at this point would, would take him. I mean, yeah, even though he had such a great record at Wisconsin, I just, I don't think he's that good. I just no. don't, I'm not a believer. So he's, he's my answer. Cliff Kingsbury is another potential answer. Um, I don't yeah. know where his like stock is right now in uh, like, yeah, that's a good, where point. would he get a head coaching job? Obviously, well, so my, my off season yeah. bold take was that Dana Holgerson would get the ax and he'd go to Houston. Mm hmm. So, so that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. 12. I can that was see my, that. I don't know. That seems like the, a spot that King, Kingsbury would go. I agree. And and I, I would not be super bullish on it because we saw him at Texas no. Tech and it didn't, no. didn't go well. I mean, it went okay. but All right. Uh, upset special. We got to pick uh, a touchdown underdog to win outright. Last week, we broke the rules. We like to generally pick different different games as our upsets. But last week, we were like, we both like it. We're taking Pitt over Louisville. Easy W. So let's see if we got the same one this week. I Well, you've, you've already locked it in, but I'm going to make it my uh, upset special. Utah over <laughs> over USC as a seven-point dog. It's just what worries me is that is just, yeah, the offensive line. I mean, we've talked about USC too much this episode already, but I, we know the defense isn't great. And, and now it's like, I don't know, even... The offensive, the receivers weren't getting separation against Notre Dame either. So I'm just, I'm worried. The sky is falling for Michael. Oklahoma fans were right. Lincoln Riley sucks. <laughs> He's a, yeah, what a bub. Uh, that's funny, Michael. I, I wrote them as my uh, a backup pick in case we had something different. But I'll, uh, I'm going to go with our, our other, our other team, Northwestern, getting eleven and a half at Nebraska. Oh. This is just a play on me. Think like Northwestern's not good, but this Nebraska team, like. Should they be favored 11 and a half against another Big Ten team? It's just, I don't know, this offense, I just cringe watching it. So I'll say Northwestern keeps it close and maybe maybe pulls it out. All righty. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the College Football Bros. Hopefully Ryan will be back next week. He had a legitimate excuse this week. He pooped his pants right before recording. <laughs> but um yeah, uh, we'd really appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't done that. It's just a, a nice free way to support us, and uh, we will talk to you next week.